Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Hall of Justice Comic Cast. As always, I'm your host, the Above Average Joe, and with me again is... Mighty Mike. Mike, what are we doing today? Joe, today I think you know we're doing the part two of our interview. That's why we got you with us, the resident expert, talking about Justice League. And we're going to pick up uh, a little bit of a break from where we left off before to talk about Justice League and other mediums. Awesome. Joe, take it away. What other representations have Justice League been? Well, they've had a, a storied past across multimedia. Um, a lot of people nowadays know them from the Justice League animated series. It was on mm-hmm. Cartoon Network that ran from 2000 to 2004. Yes. Had two seasons and 52 episodes. I mean, it's crazy going through uh, listening back to the interview we did last week about how much of my knowledge that I know about the DC Universe and Justice League actually came from the animated series mm-hmm. that we're about to talk about and not from the actual comic lines. Yeah, th- that's a big thing in a lot of current culture is that that's the way that everyone knows the League. So if you go back into the comics, it doesn't quite line up. People don't understand the difference and the disparity. Uh, but the Justice League was actually the continuation of the DC animated universe that began back with Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Not everyone knows this, but the DC shows of that time are all connected. Batman to Superman the Animated Series to Justice League and then to Justice League Unlimited and even Batman Beyond. That's Mm. all part of one big continuity. Wow, yeah, I had no idea. The Justice League also made cameo appearances in Static Shock. And Static Shock showed up later in Justice League Unlimited. But um, since it was a continuation of that, Kevin Conroy reprised his role as Batman. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Um, Great voice. Tim Daly, who originally played Superman... um, in the Superman animated series, had to be replaced because he had commitments uh, mm-hmm. when, with another show. So George Newbern take up, took up the role of Superman. Yes, that's really one thing that, that stands apart for DC and Marvel. Why DC still, to me, is such a great part of the zeitgeist of popular culture is because they had these long-standing animated series long before uh, Marvel did and more far it spread than Marvel did. Exactly. Marvel's animated series, while connected, were very short runs. Yes. I think the only ones that had any longevity were uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men. Mm. But this tied them all together. So you could literally start at Batman and watch the entire continuity and get one big adventure. So DC was really the one who had the shared multimedia format universe to start off with. This is true. And uh, in the opinion of many others, the DC animated universe is superior to Marvel's animated universe in many ways. Simply tying those connections together helps it make it feel more alive and creative. Mm -hmm. And this show was, again, by the same showrunners, Paul Denny and Bruce Timm, who had led everything since Batman. Wow. We saw an expanded cast. Uh, The only original characters that showed up... We had Batman and we had Superman who were already established. Um, Flash had shown up in one episode of the Superman animated series and was voiced by Michael Rosenbaum. Yes, Smallville's huh. Lex Luthor played the Flash. Huh. Um, then That's we a flashback, ladies and gentlemen. It is. Then we introduced Wonder Woman, and her history was a bit different. Uh, they went away from the Tournament of Champions to decide who would leave Themyscira, and she actually found out about the impending invasion by White Martians, who were the very first villains in this animated series and went to aid so she's pretty much the rookie superhero oh wow completely contradictory to some of her earlier origins absolutely many episodes were dedicated to her learning about human life and um trying to adapt to to life in the modern world yes because she was the multi-language speaking seasoned warrior absolutely uh, to have that turned up on its head was very interesting watching it did lead to some good character moments 
We also introduced John Stewart as the current Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. This is cool for two reasons. One, Green Lantern was only introduced in again one episode of Superman the Animated Series, and it was Kyle Rayner that we were introduced to. Yes. So to see another Green Lantern, and they even go so far as to establish the rest of the core later yes. throughout the series. We see Oa, we see so many great Green Lanterns. Even Hal Jordan makes a one-episode appearance. So we had Martian Manhunter, who was introduced early in the episode, and is kind of the one who brings them all together. Yes. He, he, was, um, he, had, he had great representation in, in several uh, DC Hero shows. He was in Batman. He was in Young Justice, which I'm sure you'll, you'll begin to talk about. Oh, yeah. About. He's, he's crossed into several different media, but in this particular one, he is kind of a hidden character who mm-hmm. ends up calling all of these separate heroes together. Makes sense to aid you know, each Martians other. White Martians is the first of absolutely established. Uh, and the final member is actually Hawk Girl. She is shown up, and she's referred to in dialogue as an established character. This is just the first time we've seen her. So Justice League was really smart in the way that it plays up that all these characters have existed. Mm-hmm. We're just now seeing them in greater relief. Uh, and Justice League ran for two seasons. Mm. It culminated in a kind of in a event movie called Starcross that was originally believed to be the final episode, but Justice League producers and um, Cartoon Network got together and came up with a plan for this for the continuation of it, which oh. spun off into a second series, Justice League Unlimited. So good. And in Justice League Unlimited, we talked previously in the last interview regarding the reserve membership. Mm-hmm. In Justice League Unlimited, there was an entire army of heroes that were the Justice League. Ah, so that helps me clear up some of my contradictions that I'd had before yeah. between the comics. Because, like I said, I, I have so much of my history and past with the Justice League is through the animated series. It's, it's striking how different the contrasts are. Absolutely. In fact, the first episode of Justice League Unlimited focuses on Batman and Hal, and Hal Jordan, uh, John Stewart, <laughs> trying to recruit Green Arrow. Mm. and they bring him into the fold, and it's actually seeing Black Canary that gets Ollie to stick around. Wowza! Yeah, there's actually a, they play up that relationship quite a bit. Um, what was interesting about Justice League Unlimited is it ran for, what, four seasons? Yes, I believe so. It was quite a bit. Quite a long run, but the best thing about it is it was a master class in long-form storytelling. Yes. A lot of great mysteries it's unfolded across arc. this, but it also gave a lot of exposure to underappreciated characters. One of my favorite unsung heroes got a lot of screen time in Mm -hmm. Justice League Unlimited, and that was The Question. Yes. He was a very prominent character. Uh, Huntress, they play up her role. Supergirl gets a more expanded role from Superman the Animated Series. So you say it's pretty much like the 52 in an animated format. Pretty much, yes. I mean, there's a lot of good exposure. The founding members are still there and present, but they typically pair one founding member with several lower-tier characters Mm -hmm. in order to even out each team. There's kind of a... these subset teams that are introduced that are, are really good and have a lot of payoff for, for well-read comic fans. Uh, characters like Vigilante and Shining Knight. Um, but yeah, Justice League, sorry, it ran, Justice League Unlimited ran three seasons, not four. Pardon three, me. Okay. But they also introduced uh, the Legion of Doom in a more expanded version. They pay homage back to the Super Friends show and they've got their <laughs> headquarters in the middle of a swamp. They Meanwhile, bring... at the expanded Legion of Doom. It is expanded because pretty much every rogue is introduced into Justice League, except we started to see other productions limit the availability because Cartoon mm. Network and Warner Brothers knew that they were going to eventually end Justice League and relaunch other shows. So we had some of our first licensing snafus and arguments over who could be playing who. 
Kind of. Uh, characters that were, like, for example, Blue Beetle could not be used in uh. Justice League Unlimited because the television rights for Blue Beetle were actually owned by NBC at the time. Interesting, because I know Buster Gold was. Yeah, Booster Gold could be used, but Blue Beetle, because he had been a pre-existing character, um, was actually licensed to NBC, I believe it was NBC, under one of the Charleston writers. So this stuff has been going on for a long time. For a long time. However, some of the other Charleston characters were able to be used. Captain Marvel became a character in the series. Mm-hmm. As Smallville was taking off and they introduced Aquaman and were planning on spinning that off into its own series, Aquaman was not, not available for use. So he's made, like, I think three appearances on the series. Unfortunately. He was not able to be used. Uh, as the Batman was being planned and as Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman series was being introduced, they actually limited the use of the Joker. Hmm. He only appeared a couple of times and then again, even then, that was, I believe that was in the first two seasons and the entire third season he's not seen. I mean, it's very interesting, but it, it, would you say that these limitations and these licensing snafus did help create some of those long-standing arcs and the, the spotlighting on some of these lesser-known characters? I would absolutely agree because they actually had to go diving into the histories of DC characters to bring out these lower tier unknown characters. Characters like uh, Felix Faust and Engelman became Mm. recurring characters. Dr. Polaris became a character that was used quite often. And we got away from the staples of Joker and Cheetah and these things. They were still there, but we started to see a a power growth in these other characters. I mean, the ultra-humanite who's a classic Justice League villain, became a primary antagonist for quite a bit. Wow. I I, I just continue to be flabbergasted by how in-depth and the growth and amazing the DC animated universe is and how I did not know that they were all one connected, seamless uh, follow-through. Yep, that, from, from Batman runners. the Animated Series all the way through Justice League Unlimited is one continuity. So that's four seasons of Batman, that's two or three seasons of Batman Beyond, Three seasons of Superman, Justice Ah. League, and and I don't remember how many seasons Static Shock had. I think he had two. Um, That's all one continuity. But at the same time, from uh, our listeners' perspective and from mine, it's probably a little comforting knowing that a lot of us who grew up on these shows... That it was, in fact, uh, an essence, a primer uh, for a history of Justice League. And it didn't oh, differ oh, absolutely. too much from the, no. their founding organization and how there they were developed. slight changes, but uh, the, the core was there. I mean, the Justice League is more than its members. It's an idea. Yes. So that translated flawlessly into the cartoon. And because they got the characters so right... You could easily go from watching Justice League to reading it and go, okay, this Batman's pretty much that Batman. So is there any other series uh, that have fallen through by Justice League and uh, affected the comic universe? Yes, actually. Uh, there was the the next iteration of the DC Universe that was told in The Batman, mm-hmm. which was a five-season show. And in its third season, started building towards a Justice League conflict. Actually, Martian Manhunter was the first leaguer to appear. And then it introduced, I believe it was Hawkman, Green Arrow, mm-hmm. and Green Lantern next. And in its fifth season, introduced Superman, who was again voiced by George Newbern. Oh, wow. So they appeared there. Uh, there was a Justice League or proto Justice League in Smallville's sixth season mm-hmm. uh, that featured Green Arrow, uh, that featured Aquaman who had appeared, Cyborg had appeared, and Impulse, another character from the Flash universe. Yes, I was. I remember being very excited when the advent of that when it started happening on the show. And that show later evolved to both also include the JSA and even again add Martian Manhunter to the roster. Yes. And a little bit of an unknown fact: in 1997, there was a TV movie. 
hmm. for the Justice League. Really? It was an attempt by CBS to kind of capitalize on the popularity of Lois and Clark. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, it was a gigantic flop. However, it did have a rather interesting lineup. Uh, we had The Atom. We had Guy Gardner as Green Lantern. Oh, that would have been fantastic. Both Fire and Ice, The Flash, so and Martian Manhunter. Oh. Now, the interesting thing here is they didn't quite know what they wanted to do with it. Was it going to be a straight up and down superhero adventure? And they ended up turning it into kind of a mockumentary on the Justice League <laughs> with moments where characters would literally give interviews to camera about what it's like being a superhero. So you're saying that there was almost a Justice League The Office. Pretty much, yes. Wow. In fact, notable writer Mark Wade described this as 80 minutes of my life I will never get back. <laughs> So we're very thankful that it didn't go through. Uh, you can actually look it up. You can see the images. The costume designs were atrocious. <laughs> I mean, it was it was the most 80s, 90s thing I've ever seen. It was bad in every conceivable fashion. But we did have a live-action Justice League prior to anything else. It was probably the first appearance of the Justice League wow. on the small screen. Let's see. If Without, well, with the exception of uh, Super Friends, obviously. Uh, Young Justice is another thing that I grew up with, too, that showed the legacy characters and aspects of the team. What did, what did you think about that show? Young Justice was perfect. In fact, I can't believe it's finally happening that we're getting a third season thanks it's to the very back. successful Netflix campaign. As for people like you, that's what it made happen. People. Yes, absolutely. Young Justice was great because it showed the dynamic between the Young Justice team and the Justice League team. They had a great voice cast for the, for the Justice League. I believe Bruce Greenwood played the voice of Batman in several episodes. Mm -hmm. He is perfect. And he's actually voiced Batman in several of the DC animated films yeah, uh, since Justice League War, I believe. Yeah, Young Justice was great to set up both of those legacy teams. It focuses obviously more on Young Justice, but the elements of the Justice League that are shown there are phenomenal. So I would have to say that DC did a great service to us in setting up these animated series. And it was a lot of forethought being able to watch these series and then go and pick up an issue of Justice League and, and not necessarily be lost and understand what's going on. So speaking of picking up with Justice League, let's take us back into um, our favorite uh, fabulous new gods of the DC Universe. And Joe, take us into what happened next. Absolutely. Well, in 2011... DC decided to do a full-line relaunch. Mm, yes, and they did this. this starting with an event called the Flashpoint, in which Barry Allen travels back in time, saves his mother from death, and in so doing, alters all of history. So this was a very transformative period. Very they transformative just... period. It splintered the Justice League in ways that are indescribable. Um, Superman was never found by the Kents. He was reclaimed by the government and spent his entire life in a bunker being studied, never even learned how to speak English. Wow, that's a change-up. Yep. Bruce Wayne is the one who died in the alleyway, leading Thomas Wayne, his father, to become Batman and driving his mother insane and turning her into the Joker. Ooh. Wonder Woman that's... is an empress and is leading an army against Atlantis, who declared war on her after she murdered Queen Mara, after she and Arthur had an affair. Oh, boy. Like, this, yeah. is, this is crazy stuff. Cyborg is the world's greatest hero. And The Flash never existed. Okay, so this was the... It sounds like you're saying, like, this was What If Bonanza. Pretty and much. They were like, we're going to take our characters, and we're just going to go balls to the wall crazy with yeah, them. Yeah, Flashpoint was definitely strange. 
but it was a contained event that summed up the end of the previous DC continuity and set the stage for the new 52, which was the next step. So Mm -hmm. the Flash is able to avert this calamity, and when he goes back through time to stop himself, the timeline coalesces, but it's it's altered. Mm -hmm. You can't put all the pieces back together. And a new history emerges, leading us into the new 52. So the very first Justice League arc is actually the actually the very first book in the New 52 was Justice League. Yes. That sets up a new roster and a new history for the team. By my boy Jeff Johns, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Jeff Johns and Jim Lee were the, oh. art, were the launch artists on Justice League. Jeff Johns went all the way through. I think Jim Lee left partway through Volume 3, and then Jason Fabach took it up. But mm-hmm. Justice League was an interesting book. It was the history of... The DC universe, but from a timeline perspective, there's a there's a jump between volume one and two. Okay, so this was a complete reset. Complete reset. All the heroes were younger. Uh, I think that they, they've been active for a max of five years at this point. Oh, complete change up. Complete then. change up. Wonder Woman was just being integrated into into the universe. Superman was wildly different. Um, mm-hmm. The only continuities that really remained slightly unchanged were uh, Batman and Green Lantern. Batman's timeline just got shortened, and same with Green Lantern. He yes. pretty much been left alone. They adjusted a Green Lantern rebirth. So. Yeah. But the League comes together during a conflict with Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Uh, parademons are being spotted all over the world. Uh, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, is following one, and he follows it into Gotham, which draws him into conflict with Batman. Oh, Yep. Who at this point is still believed to be an urban legend. Makes sense. It's only been operating for about five years. Yeah. And there's a, a, a quite inter- entertaining moment in Justice League where Batman is able to actually trick Hal Jordan and slip the Green Lantern ring off his finger. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was quite entertaining. Slowly but surely, they meet one another. Uh, actually, a seventh member is replaced in the New 52. Martian Manhunter is no yep. longer a founding member of the Justice League and is replaced with Cyborg. Yes. Which is both a good and bad thing. In one, it's uh, a blessing to Cyborg because he is incredibly relevant in the more modern times. And he was very, very ahead so. of his time when he was first introduced. But Martian Manhunter is a founding member and a legacy character yes. and needs to be honored. So it was a bit of a cro- it was a bit of a cross to bear for a while there. And he would show up in another comic in New Fifty Two as one of the mainstay leader characters of that group of Stormwatch. Absolutely, and he would show up in a handful of Justice League moments. But yes. to have a founding member replaced, it was kind of a jarring experience for a lot of mm-hmm. longtime fans. Um, but this first arc was pretty I straightforward. Did, I have to say, I did like the uh, interrupt you. Sorry, but the uh, the introduction of Aquaman. Uh, for Justice League was very iconic. Oh, it was absolutely great. See, as you meet each character, they come into conflict first mm-hmm. and then begin to ally themselves, Batman and Green Lantern, and then those two go get Superman, and then those two go get Flash. Um, but Aquaman shows up, oh. and everyone's just like, what can you do? And he literally summons an army of sharks that leap out of the water and start attacking parademons in the area. It's the ending of that issue, is Aquaman just standing there with sharks, and yep. you're like, He's just holding his trident up high, and there's just sharks in midair behind him eating parademons. It's a beautiful, beautiful panel. Yeah. It's pretty funny for any <laughs> long-standing Aquaman fan, as we, you both know, that, as everyone knows that yes. I am. And, um, and, and, yeah, as well. And that was the advent for with Jeff Johns taking over that character to completely create a new arc and foundation for him. And the Justice League not only got a new origin, but most of the characters in New 52 received new origins as well. Absolutely. And just, they had a visual overhaul. I mean, each character had a more armored approach. There was more intuitive design. It was a little, it was a lot further along than what uh, the classic DC fans were used to. So, 
You're saying that from then they we had they found it was it seven members again? It was still seven members. Aquaman uh, was 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 a member, um, but Martian Manhunter was replaced. Mm-hmm. So where did the league go from there? Did they immediately establish themselves or there was a threat or something? What, what did they go into? They were publicly hailed. Uh, this is, again, where Batman was revealed to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, they were publicly hailed and at first <laughs> Flash christened them the Super 7, which everyone <laughs> thought was stupid. And they said no uh, and became the Justice League with Batman firmly in control. Their first base was actually a basement in the Daily Planet that was an old printing press before really? they uh, firmly established the, the Watchtower. From humble beginnings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was kind of Superman's lair at a time, mm-hmm. uh, but grew into where the Justice League would meet, and then eventually they formed the, the Watchtower. A lot of interesting events happened in the Justice League book. It's where Superman and Wonder Woman's relationship began in the New 52. Mm, yes. And that was actually the end of the second arc was the two of them together. Um, yeah, they had their own standalone series as well. That spun off into an issue series. Same thing with Superman and Batman spinning off. Um, in the New 52, though, the Justice League is very much a an analog for what's going on in the New 52 and what it was kind of a meta-narrative. Mm-hmm. And you started to see fan sentiment creeping in. Um, the New 52 was off-putting to a lot of fans because it drastically changed the core of DC Comics and the core of these characters. How so? It, by altering their history. And the biggest thing about DC was this legacy and this sense of hope and optimism and all these personal relationships. Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman had been friends for decades. Yes. And to take all that away so suddenly really soured a lot of fan opinion. And then to have this presence of dark storytelling and this kind of hopeless narrative, it was Mm off-putting. And you started to see that predominantly in Justice League, a lot of dark storytelling. You had uh, several different incarnations of the team that were created. You had Justice League Dark, which was literally about dark storytelling. Yes. And we know my feelings on that from our previous (laughs) Legion of Gloom episode. Uh, You had Justice League... uh, um, Justice League of America, which was kind of the counterpart of Justice League of Justice League International. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Justice League United, I believe. Even. That was actually the second volume of Justice League of America. It was retitled. Oh, um, but you had characters that were designed literally to take down the Justice League. They were yes. government-sponsored. Well, they had um, analogs set up for each one. Martian Manhunter for Superman. and uh, It was Dr. Light for Firestorm and, and down the line. That's, yes, it was quite a bit. They were the living embodiments of the, the Batman protocols. Exactly. And that actually drew uh, all three teams into a, a conflict called Trinity War. I'd imagine. Which was kind of an attempt, one, to clear the air, two, just to show all these characters in conflict. And that was a big thing in comic storytelling at the time was heroes fighting heroes. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Um, so Justice League went through that evolution, and then they went into the next storyline that was Forever Evil. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a cool story because it showed the New 52 superheroes dealing with their evil counterparts from Earth-3, the crime yes. syndicate. So the, the, the Trinity uh, had been in the, the Trinity War. The Trinity had been set up as the bad guy. Uh, did the Trinity end up being the bad guy? What did Trinity represent? Trinity War was more of a launch vehicle for this forever evil conflict. It mm-hmm. spun out events that that drove the next volume of Justice League of America and Justice League United. 
Um, it introduced a new Adam, who we find out is actually a refugee from Earth 3 and acting as a spy mm. for the crime syndicate. So the conflict was a manufactured one, mm-hmm. and it was originally kind of designed to show that the Justice League were dangerous and then prove the need for the Justice League of America until those heroes got wise and decided, no, we need to be our own team and broke away from their paymaster who was, uh, if I remember correctly, that was Amanda Waller in this mm-hmm. universe and not necessarily yes. Maxwell Lord. So we go into Forever Evil, and this brings in a classic Justice League moment. It was kind of an attempt to to win back some classic fans because the crime syndicate is a long-standing enemy of the Justice League. Yes. It's their evil counterparts. So they bring in the alternate reality Earth-3 villains. We see Ultraman. Uh, we see Owlman. We see so, Power Woman. So we bring in the Earth-3 villains, and they launch this very surgical strike against the Justice League. Mm-hmm. And it all culminates in... Bruce having to create a second Justice League mm-hmm. and bring in Lex Luthor. Oh, wow. To, to stop the, the crime syndicate from destroying the world. And the big rule change there is that it leads to Nightwing being, one, killed for a time. His heart is actually stopped, but his identity is publicly revealed. Oh, no. So it forces Dick Grayson out of the Bat family in order to protect Bruce's identity. Yes. Forever Evil is a big paradigm shift because it caused the idea of, of a heroic Lex Luthor. Yes. Uh, and he actually became a long-standing member of the Justice League after that. He joined the Justice he League. He joined the Justice League. Oh, wow. So that took us to the next arc, which was Dark Side War. Wasn't that the advent of, of Jessica Cruz as well? Yes, Jessica Cruz was shown Lanterns. as a background character, and then once Power Ring was killed, she was kind of taken over by it. And her her story arc really goes all the way through Dark Side War. Um, and it's kind of a framed narrative because the Justice League started with Darkseid. Uh-huh. So as the New 52 was scheduled to end, it made sense that they bookend it with another Darkseid conflict. Excellent. So talking about Rebirth, in, was it 2016? Yes. Yes. In, in 2016. Just a little under over a year ago. Um, DC realized that they'd lost their way with, New 50, with New, the New 52. Just slightly. Yeah. And actually announced it at uh, Chicago Entertainment Expo, so C2E2. They came out and said, look, we lost our way, and we're stopping all these issues at 52, and we are doing Rebirth. Very blunt and acknowledging. And, and, it and was, Jeff Johns had a statement that came out, and he was like, basically said, we know. Yeah. It was very, very smart of them to do this, especially in that way, because they, they got instantaneous fan buy-in. I actually was sitting on my couch live streaming the panel. I was texting a friend of mine at the same time. The second they said, look, we knew we screwed up and we're going to fix it, fans everywhere were like, we're committed. We got this. You acknowledged it. We're there. Yeah. And they I heard started- about through you because even at that point, I, I had tithered off because DC 52 was really my advent of DC. And I had read a bunch of 52, if not I think you all. were like mainly into Animal Man and Green Lantern. Oh, I loved Animal Man, Green Lantern, Swamp Thing, Constantine. I liked the Vertigo imprints that became a mainstay, Aquaman. But yeah, I had I had drifted off about thirty issues into some of these things. Yeah, as 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 as, as had myself. I the only ones I was really sticking with at that time were uh, Batman and Aquaman. I had lost track of Green Arrow. I got back into it for a little bit, but I just couldn't keep up because it went in some ways that I just yeah. didn't so like. I, I wasn't as trusting as you, yeah. and it, it, to my detriment because it'd be some time down the line before you could convince me to jump into Rebirth. Oh, but it was so good. It was so good. Uh, Let's continue. Rebirth is a very important term uh, for DC Comics in general because Mm -hmm. they've done three Rebirths. And with Jeff Johns. Specifically with Jeff Johns because there was Green Lantern Rebirth in which 
He brought Hal Jordan back from the dead and completely yeah. redeemed the character. There was the Flash rebirth where he brought Barry, Barry Allen back from the dead uh-huh. and revamped the character. And it's all about taking what happened, taking the new, taking the old, celebrating it, taking the newer stuff, and marrying it together to create one cohesive experience. Yes. And DC Rebirth did this in a one-shot that came out in May of 2016. Take it was note, Marvel. Take note. Very subtle nod there, Mike. But mm-hmm. yes, um, if you want to buy back your fans, this is how you do it. The first thing you do is apologize. Um, but it came out in May of 2015, 2016. Pardon me. Um, it was a midnight release. I actually remember it was close to my birthday, so my birthday present yep. to myself was sitting up at midnight when it went when it went live, buying it from my iPad, laying in bed, reading it, and then trying not to wake up my wife and telling her how amazing it was. It did not <laughs> go that way. Nope. I read it, and I, th- I actually screamed, holy shit, at like page 20, and woke Bailey up. It was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but Rebirth was really about a reset, reinfusing the DC universe with hope and optimism. And the way they did this, they, re- they relaunched Justice League. Mm-hmm. And they, want- they launched Justice League with a pretty stellar creative team. Uh, Brian Hitch, who is a longstanding Avengers artist. Yes, he was. Uh, had come over to Marvel, uh, come over, had come over to DC, pardon me, for a 10-issue <laughs> ten, ten uh, JLA run. It was a small book. It was a maxi series, And it was kind of a counterpart to Justice League. Mm-hmm. And now he became the main writer on Justice League. And the first arc was done by... The art was done by uh, Tony Daniel, who is an incredible artist mm-hmm. who had done... Uh, Super- Superman and Wonder Woman was the book series he worked on the most. Absolutely stellar art. So we got into Rebirth. And the first arc of the Rebirth Justice League focused on them dealing with the loss of the New 52 Superman. Because this is prior to Superman Reborn. So Rebirth did not... Do a clean sleep, uh, clean sweep, and rewrite, and do a new slate. Blah, blah, blah. Those are words, but basically, what I'm asking is, so they didn't restart everything all again. No, no, they they, they knew where they were going. They wanted to re reenergize the universe, but they didn't want to put the fans through another clean slate. Mm-hmm. Clean slate. So, see, now I'm doing it's it. hard. It's hard. Um, so what they did is they picked up where they left off with the death of Superman, and the league is dealing with that. Of course, there's the appearance of this new Superman, this new Clark Kent. So the Justice League decide to bring him into the fold so they can figure out who he is. Yes. And the very first arc deals with these characters called the Eternals. They are celestial beings. It's beautiful art by Tony oh, Daniel. Yeah. It's, very, um, it's very unique celestials. Yeah. Um, however, the Justice League is a very uneven book. Um, the first arc, they deal with the celestials. They kind of understand this new Superman and then there's mm-hmm. the Superman Reborn event and it's just back to basics at that point. Yep. The continuity is restored. There's only been one Superman. It's him. He's been there all along. He never really died. The new 52 Superman never really existed. And it goes forward in much the way you'd expect with the standard Justice League book. There are tensions and, and relationship dynamics that come into play. Um, Jessica Cruz, we find out, has a thing for Barry Allen, who's mm-hmm. not dating Iris West in that time in the book. So there's some brief flirtation there. Um, they deal with, um, I think, Dr. Death and uh, some Nightmare Realm stuff. Yeah, uh, I think it's in its third arc right now. We, we get to Legacy, where we talk about the children of the Justice League. Yeah. Well, they moved into the one little bright spot of a, kind of a rough patch so far, which is something I know you really like, is Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Yes, that was actually the first uh, Justice League crossover, and the first time that the Justice League and Suicide Squads had come to blow probably since Infinite Crisis. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that was written by Steve Orlando with art by Jason Fabuck, I believe. I think uh, Tony S. Dana did some variant covers uh, for it. It was a really cool thing because it reintroduced uh, Maxwell Lord. Yes. Who was a big player in both Justice League International and in Infinite Crisis, or the lead up to Infinite Crisis. Um, it brought him into the Rebirth universe. It reintroduced the classic Lobo mm-hmm. because New 52 Lobo was unrecognizable. He's basically a space bounty hunter mercenary. Lobo is Wolverine in space. He's one cool guy. He's the main man. That's right. Um, They introduced or brought back uh, Enchantress and Mm -hmm. the Emerald Eye of Ekron, which is a thing from the new 50, sorry, from the 52 book again with Lobo. So there's some fun nods there for long standing DC fans. Um, Justice League versus Suicide Squad was five issues and then uh, I think three tie-ins. Mm-hmm. There was a Suicide Squad tie-in a Justice League, and, and two Justice League tie-ins. Yeah, it went bang, 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 back and yeah. forth. It was a contained arc. It was a, a classic Justice League event. Uh, and when I say event, I don't mean mass crossover event. I mean, it was a little blip on the radar. It was a fun Justice League story. Um, it actually led to the creation of a new Justice League of America That's book. That's what I was going to ask next. Is yeah. this newfound Justice League, is there still only one incarnation of them? Uh, or have we started to spread out and have more groups now? Justice League of America is kind of a covert ops version of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. It's led by Batman. Its roster includes both Killer Frost and Lobo, because in Justice League versus Suicide Squad, we got introduced to a more heroic version of Killer Frost, mm-hmm. who did not want to be a villain. In fact, her moniker was an unfortunate one. She never meant to kill. Yes. It just kind of she's almost like rogue in a sense where her it, powers yes. were deadly it's more of a reflection on the, the killer frost from uh the flash tv show than it is very, on the previous very, comic editions. very much so uh so justice league of america is kind of counterpart to an old dc title called the outsiders yes uh where it's again a, a covert strike team um lobo's a main character in it in fact it's really fun to see lobo on a book with batman and trying yes. to take orders from batman if you're a fan of old X-Men stuff and like the relationship between Cyclops and Wolverine, you will love Justice League of America because th- that same relationship is the way you see Lobo and Batman. <laughs> so we currently have two teams. They have Justice League of America. It's kind of it's reflection on the others, which is uh, the Outsiders, which is kind of a reflection on Aquaman and the others. And it just goes on and on. But we have two established teams currently in Rebirth, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, in Where does fact, it go from here? Well, we're in the middle of a major event right now, Dark Knight's Medal, mm-hmm. uh, in which both teams are, are prominently featured. In fact, the Justice League of America has been dealing with a lot of side things and the character one-shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Justice League themselves are fractured right now. I think uh, Brian Hitch's run has concluded or is just about to conclude, yes, and we're bringing in a new writer there um, that's going to take the Justice League kind of, in, kind of a, in a classic way and talk about um, kind of almost like the office dynamic. Yes, and at the time they had been up to the lead up to metal. They'd been de- dealing with legacy issues too, with I believe children coming from their children coming from the future. Is that yes, correct? yes? The the most recent arc that just concluded was I think it was called Legacy, mm-hmm. and dealt with uh, their children coming from the future. We met uh, Wonder Woman's son. We met the children of Barry Allen and Jessica Cruz. We met um, the daughter of Aquaman and Mara, mm-hmm. uh, Cyborg's daughter. It was really interesting. Son. Son? Yes. Sorry, I don't know why I said daughter. I was, I was thinking of danger. That's why. I got on, uh, I got on, I got on an X-Men kick. Yep. Um, uh, Cyborg's son. Um, it was very strange because it didn't necessarily line up with continuity, but it was a, it was an interesting read in, in and of itself. Yes. I do say uh, one touch in the Justice League th- uh, 
storyline leading up to that was that we talked about the Aquaman issue is where Mira joins the the, the team for a oh, day. Oh, yes. It's no, she's, so she's still she's on still the league. On and actually, we just found out she's getting a solo series in February. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yes. That's phenomenal. That came out a couple of days ago. Uh, yes, Mara became uh, a member of the Justice League in Aquaman's stead. And holy shit. <laughs> I yes, mean, that's what I believe Dan Abnett wrote that issue. And uh, again, holy shit. Takes it was out a, the whole league. It was a great book. I, honestly, they want to keep Mara on the league. I'm totally for it. That, it was, it was, it was <laughs> totally a very for it. bright spot in, a, in, a, in an okay run. So that, I, I'd feel negligent if I didn't mention no, it. No, I totally agree. It was a, that was that was a, a issue of Justice League that took me by surprise. Because I was like, oh, okay, Mara crossover. Holy shit. Holy, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, it was a fun read. All right. So moving into the future, Joe, could you take us into the beginning of Metal and where they're heading now before we wrap up? Yeah. Uh, the Justice League is pursuing a mystery that goes back to the dawn of time and actually ties back to another Justice League event in Final Crisis. Oh, wow. Really bookended it. Yeah. They're really bookending it. Um, it's centered around Batman and a mystery that goes through the dawns of time and actually through the multiverse itself into a counterpart called the Dark Multiverse. Uh. Um, so the Justice League right now is having to face these nightmare versions of Batman with their abilities. There is the Red Death, who is uh, Batman with Flash's abilities. So kind of like the Crime Syndicate 2.0, except all Batman. All Batman. All Batman, Batman all day. Yeah. So you've got the Red Death, who is the Flash Batman. Uh, you've got the Merciless, who is Batman with uh, the Helmet of Ares, becoming the God of War. There's the Dawnbreaker, who is a Green Lantern Batman. Uh-huh. Um, who else is there? There is uh, the Drowned, who Drowned. is uh, an Atlantean Batman. Did you mention Murder Machine? I was just getting to that. The Murder Machine, which is the cyborg version and probably the most, I won't say terrifying, but the definitely the creepiest. Yes. <laughs> um, then there is the Devastator, who is Batman uh, with the powers of Doomsday. Doomsday. Uh-huh. And finally, there is the Batman who laughs, <sighs> who is Batman gone crazy and become the Joker. Seriously, check out Dark Knight's Metal. It is a cool Batman event, but you also get some great Justice League moments because you start to really see them as a team. In fact, in one of the most recent crossovers, it started in Justice League, no, sorry, it started in Flash number 32. What is it called? Uh, Bats Out of Hell. The yes. Justice League get thrown into combat against their counterparts. From the Dark Knights, so... I think it's 33 if it's the tie into metal. Yeah, 33, because 34 just came out, you're right. Yes. Um, yeah, so Bats Out of Hell. It starts with the Flash getting brought into combat against the Red Death. Then you see Wonder Woman going up against the Merciless. Uh, in the ha- most recent Hal Jordan one, he goes up against the Dawnbreaker. It is a great arc. Um, it's a great Justice League moment because you see the League square off against their counterparts. And... They never lose their faith in Batman. They go through all this hell because Batman is one of them. So, does this give you good uh, hopes and takes out some of your rep- re- reservations between the what's going to happen for the future of the Justice League moving forward? Oh, yeah. I think the Justice League is definitely on solid footing, especially with Rebirth committed to restoring some of that classic look mm-hmm. and feel. I think the new writer they brought on board, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, mm-hmm. uh, is going to take the Justice League in a new direction that is much needed. I think they're going to explore more of the relationship side of it and the interaction with characters and less about the big bombastic combat. 
Um, I also want to talk briefly about the upcoming Justice League movie, since that um, is actually taking a lot of inspiration from the New 52. Yes. And I think uh, even going so far as Rebirth, that we see a lot of that tone of hope and optimism infusing that film as well. So I... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. We'll see, especially with some of the rough patches DC uh, movie universe has had. So, uh, taking us forward, I think that that we're going to have their bright hope now, the Justice League, and and Metal looks to be a a great addition, an arc that's happening, ongoing. Um, I think they're going to be greatly affected. The League is going to have great ramifications in the Doomsday Clock, another event that's coming up that we'll talk about in the future. Uh, But let's Let's give some quick recommendations before we wrap up. Joe, what would you recommend first for this uh, this current era of Justice League? For this era, I would definitely recommend uh, probably the first two volumes of Justice League. That would be Origin and The Throne of Atlantis, because mm-hmm. those are both great Justice League conflicts. Yes. Obviously, Dark Side War. Yes. Um, the good thing about those events is you, while you can read Justice League cover to cover all the way through, they're done. these story arcs are done in blocks, so you can pick one up and move into the next one. You'll lose some things, but it won't taint the story for you. So I would recommend those. Absolutely, and I, I have to concur. I would I recommend the the whole New Fifty Two run of Justice League with a, a Jeff Johns at the helm. It's it's just great storytelling. Uh, moving into that, I'd recommend reading Rebirth to get you all wrapped up. And oh, absolutely. Into it. Um, uh, and just starting off Metal by itself because you already, if you've read the Fifty Two, read Rebirth. Uh, you, you're pretty much cut up. It doesn't touch on too much backstory things. If you know Justice League, you can kind of jump straight into Metal. Oh, yeah. Metal is designed to be a jumping on point, and it's, it starts with the Justice League doing Justice League stuff in a Justice League way. Yes. It's, it's very, very, very good so far. Uh, and with that, that wraps us up for this week. I would like to announce, even though we kind of like skipped over a little bit last week, that we're now on iTunes and the Google Play Store. That's right. iTunes and the Google Play Store. You heard us right. So if we'd greatly appreciate it if you drop by there and uh, give us a rating and leave a, a comment review for us. Uh, we also have us freely available on Twitter and our website at hallofjoseph.com and our YouTube, Legion of Gloom, and other segments coming up based on our YouTube site, hallofjoseph at youtube.com. Yep. So again, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed and go see Justice League. Yeah, we'll see you next week.